Sitting in the Adam Hogue seat. Mark Carmen here for one hour, WGNRadio.com. We will talk to Adam Hogue, who is down in the desert, living the dream. Apparently, he's hanging at some place called the Yard House where he's just eating and drinking and doing what Adam Hogue does on the road. I'm officially extremely jealous. Uh, so, we are here for an hour and. We'll talk baseball at 1.30. I got some NCAA tournament tips for you coming up as well. But I would like to start with my guy back in the NBA. He made his re-debut last night. Derek Rose, back with the Timberwolves, Joe Romano. As uh, We've got Taj Gibson. We've got Jimmy Butler. We've got Derek Rose. We've got Tom Thibodeau. We've got former assistants Ed Pickney and Andy Greer. I mean, we have a whole Minnesota-Chicago-North thing going on here. Derek did not play last night, which was a huge mistake by Tibbs, in my opinion, which is why they lost to the Boston Celtics. Once you go out and you get Derek Rose, you put him in the lineup, Tom Thibodeau. What are you waiting for? But I guess he's getting acclimated. And I just would like to personally take this moment in time as a Derek Rose Fan, supporter, believer, he's not done. There is a couple of drops left in that gas tank. I'm not saying the tank's full. I'm not saying he's ever going to be what he was at Simeon or what he was at Memphis or certainly what he was with the Chicago Bulls, the youngest player in the history of the league to win an MVP. And I'll even say that he did not deserve that MVP because he wasn't the best player in the league. MVP should go to the best player in the league. Should have gone to LeBron James that year. Should have gone to Michael Jordan every year. He was in the league. But he still won an MVP. The youngest in the history of the league. And then he got hurt. Partly because of Tom Thibodeau. But now Tibbs is coming to the rescue. Uh, We have Derek talking. I'd love to hear a little Derek. Let's get some Derek in here. Derek is seeing all his bulls and he loves it. I've been working out the entire time I've been out and just learning my routine, being a pro. And um, the only thing I'm missing now is the opportunity. So talking to Tibbs, he's looking like he's going to give me that opportunity. So it's all about learning the guys and fitting in at the right time. I think Tibbs got the job for one, um, him even being here. And you throw in Taj, Jimmy, and the coaching staff. I've been knowing them and been in battle with them for years. So it's comfortable, you know what I mean? I'm very comfortable here. And um, usually when I'm comfortable, I so Derek if you listen to that closely I mean what I take out of that more than anything else Derek still believes in himself he it doesn't matter that the Bulls no longer want him it doesn't matter that the Knicks where he scored 18 and dished out four assists last year not interested uh it doesn't matter that LeBron James probably would never like to see Derrick Rose again, let alone on his own team. And then he was, of course, on Utah for five-tenths of a second after being traded by Cleveland when they reworked their roster, getting Rodney Hood from Utah. In addition, Jay Crowder going all that. We don't need to get deep in the NBA muck here. But the Jazz had no interest, cut him. And then he's been sitting there 
right? Cleveland State, video coming out. There's Derek with some 14-year-old rebounding for him, and he's shooting floaters, and he looks a little bit out of shape, but the ball's still going through the bucket. And he's only 29 years old. This I, I love this city, for the record. I, I love Chicago. I love you, Joe. I love everything about it. I love new producer Ben Anderson. I'm, I'm, I'm full of love on a Friday. Dreams. But the way this city has treated Derek like he's some second-class citizen because he didn't play basketball when they thought he should play, even though he was trying to protect himself and protect the organization, in my opinion, it, it's one of the more ruthless despicable, unfair treatments of an athlete in the history of the city. Maybe the worst of all time. I mean, what did Derrick Rose do? What did Derrick Rose do to anyone? Really? You should be back out there, you lazy. And I will also throw in there a little, and no one's going to own this, and I shouldn't even say it, but I will. I always sense just a hinge of a little bit of racism around it. You lazy... It just, 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 I just, just touched it. And here's a guy who was trying to take care of himself. He's, you know, he never been hurt in his life. And for the record, again, he was, he was rushed back on the court. We don't need to relive the whole thing. But he's up in Minnesota, and I'm rooting for him. And you know, it would be interesting. Not sure how this thing will fall, but come playoff time, Minnesota could very well play New Orleans. So you'd have Nico, Etwan Moore. Going up against Derek, Jimmy, Taj, Tibbs. It'd be bull on bull, man. That'd be fun. Right? And I can tell you that if you remember back in time, remember when Nico went bananas in the in March of his rookie year and everyone was screaming, why, why isn't Tibbs playing Nico come playoff time like he was getting two minutes and people were screaming about it? You know why? Because, because Tibbs didn't really like Nico. And so, for, I mean, or I don't know if it's like is the wrong word. He didn't think that Nico was all that, clearly, or else he would have been on the court. So I think an opportunity for those guys to go up against each other would be interesting. Definitely didn't trust him defensively, that's for sure. Right, right. I forgot about Rondo, too, by the way. Oh, yeah, he is over there, you, too. You got Rondo, you got Nico, you got Etwan Moore on the Pelicans. I mean, come on, let's get that let's get that series going. Forget about each one more. I know that's not really in anyone's mind. But Rondo's interesting, right? Little Rondo Tibbs battle slash anyway, I, I love I love the concept. Can I get one more? Hey, uh let's hear from Tom Thibodeau and Derek Rose real quick. Players are always changing. You know, I had Derek uh, when he was an MVP. I also had Derek after two or three surgeries. My last year in Chicago, he had a terrific year for me. You know, and uh, the, the one thing about Derek is uh, if you go back to his high school career and then his college career and his pro career, um, he, if you talk to the people that played with him, they'll tell you what a great teammate he is. And in high school, he wasn't a scorer. So there were games that, you know, he hardly scored. Winning was always the most important thing to him. So that's what we, what I expect him to bring to this team. There you go. Great teammate. That's another thing with Rose, too. If you ask his teammates, they all love Derek. I mean, him and Jimmy had their thing, but him and Jimmy coming up before Jimmy got all big-headed – they were buddies. Derek guided him along. 
And then Jimmy became Hollywood Jimmy. So, you know, to me that's on Jimmy, not on Derek. No, and then and by the way, props to Jimmy for becoming as good of a player as he as he has become and go Jimmy. But the fact that the fact that he and Derek were not best friends at the end of their tenure on the Bulls, that's on Jimmy. It's not on Derek. Sorry. Bulls, by the way, are playing tonight. They're at Detroit, uh, 22-42. and 42. Memphis is atrocious. They had to come in here, and the Bulls got to win. I was, li- was listening to the game, and you know Chuck Swirsky goes bananas. Bulls win! Bulls win! Bulls win! It's like, no, don't beat Memphis. That would have been such a huge loss. Like I'm not really into tanking, but when you're playing the really bad teams, it's such a big loss. Don't, don't win the Memphis game. Like it's cool. Like if when Cleveland comes in here a week from from Saturday and they be, if they beat LeBron, that'd be sweet. Like that's a win I'd love to you to get. Memphis lose that game, lose to Atlanta on Sunday. I've given up caring about whether they win or they lose. Really? Know? Yeah. You know, I I I feel like you look at enough of the draft and there's there there are good players. You'll find whoever. I mean, is it is it too far to look at Golden State and say, man, they got Steph Curry at seven. They got Draymond Green in the second round. And it doesn't happen everywhere, and I understand that, but it's just they're, they're, the losses are going to come, and I, I, the reason I, I gave up is because of the, the winning streak. When they won seven games in a row, I was like, well, tanks off, man. Right. right. Well, and that, that's true, and I think, for me, it's like the way they win. If they win because Zach Levine's playing great and Chris Dunn's playing great and Laurie Markkinen's playing great, well then, Perfect. Yeah, that's what you're doing. By the way, all th- all three of them had 20 plus for the first time uh, this season when they beat Memphis the other night. Now again, that was against Memphis. But like seeing those guys play well, that's good. You want you. I mean, there's nothing bad about that. And uh, the Bulls are in non-tank mode tonight too. They'll start both Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. So the league, Adam Silver, and John Paxson and Gar Paxson, whoever. They're having they're having those tanking conversations, which is another thing too. Like, hey man, is there really that big of a difference between Robin Lopez and Cristiano Felicio? Even as bad as Cristiano Felicio is, is there a huge difference between Justin Holiday and David Nwaba? Not to me, there isn't. I'm sorry. You know, Robin Lopez is a better player. Great, Justin Holiday is a better player. But we're not. It's not like you're. We're sitting Michael Jordan is prime. No, you're sitting Justin Holiday. Like let everybody relax. Not not that big of a deal. Uh, also, stay out of uh, White Sox business. Stay out of Bulls business. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We're going to run our team the way that we want to. I hear you know, you. We're not the Suns resting Devin Booker. We're resting freaking Robin Lopez. Right. I hear you, Kenny Williams. I I, I like you taking on Frank Thomas. One other NBA note uh, from last night. Actually, two other NBA notes. Number one, uh, Steph Curry got hurt last night, sprained his ankle in Golden State's win over San Antonio, 121-17. Duran had 37. Steph's going to miss the weekend. He's going to miss a bunch of games here. A bunch of... Let me roll that back. He's going to miss at least two games, maybe more. The only thing that can stop the Warriors is if they get hurt. Like, literally don't play anybody until the... You get 20 games left in the regular season, stop playing people. Or don't do any... I, I just... If I'm Golden State... Forget about tanking. Like just somehow, some way, you just got to keep your guys healthy. Houston's right there, though. Seventeen straight wins for the Houston Rockets. James Harden, Chris Paul. Wow. Okay. I mean, that, those are the two best teams in basketball. So, but you watched that game the other night against the Celtics. I didn't see it. No, that was a fun one. Yeah, went down to the wire. You know, uh, 
I, I don't think the Rockets have enough to beat Golden State, but I think that'll be a fun little series if they get if it gets to the Western Conference Final. You give them a better chance than the Cavs, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Right. But here, here's the thing though about LeBron said one one on Cleveland. LeBron James said the other night that this is the best that he's ever played. And so I looked at the numbers, which bear him out. He's never averaged nine assists. He's doing that right now. Now he's been close. I mean, these numbers, we're talking about ten-tenths of a point here. But regardless, he's never averaged nine assists. He's got 8.4 rebounds, which is the second most in his career. Last year he had 8.6. And he's scoring 27, which he hasn't done since he was in the middle of his Miami part of his career. But LeBron, I don't know if you saw the Denver game the other night or the last three minutes of the Denver game. Okay, LeBron in a two-point game, first he drives down the lane, runs over Jokic, and and lays it in and one. Borderline charge gets the call. Then he goes, starts with the, he's, he's got the ball way beyond the three-point line, angles a little bit left around the screen, he's about five feet beyond the three-point line, pulls up, buries it. Like off-balance three, now no one was in his face, but still a ridiculous shot. Next time down the court, Gets the ball on the right side, cuts all the way through the lane, fade away from about 15, landing about 18 feet out, good. Still a cl- close game. Next time down, in the left corner, step back off the wrong foot, hand in his face, high archer, bang. To finish with, I, I think he had 37 or whatever it was. Whenever anybody compares him to Michael, I never give him the love, mainly because he doesn't do that. Like, Jordan's going to get you a bucket no matter what. LeBron, he hasn't done it for his career. It was always Ray Allen, in my mind, bailing him out with a three in the corner to win the the finals against San Antonio. They shouldn't have absolutely lost that series, but they got lucky, and Allen bailed him out. When they beat Golden State, which and LeBron was preposterous, but the biggest shot in Game 7 came from Kyrie Irving. So he's never been the shot maker. If you really want to be the best in my mind, you got to be the shot maker, not the guy who sets it up. And even Magic, when he was you know in his prime, like or considered the best, like he's hitting the sky hook against the Sixers, playing center. He took the shot. It matters to me who takes the shot. But LeBron, and now this was a game against Denver in the regular season. But the shots were so ridiculous, and I think he's so much more comfortable in his own skin now that he is getting better in year 15 of his prime or 14 of his prime in his 15th year in the league. That's ridiculous. It's it's completely ridiculous. And so props to LeBron. Last basketball thought before I get to the NCAA tournament. Do you remember Steve Francis? Sure do. Stevie Franchise. Stevie Franchise, right? Houston Rockets, Orlando Magic, New York Knicks, things went south, nine-year career, three-time All-Star. So he... He wrote a piece in the Players' Tribune. The Players' Tribune is phenomenal. Everything they put out is great. Everything. It's it's just phenomenal. It's must-read every time they, they publish them. And it's a, just a phenomenal read. Did you read Francis' thing? I have not read Francis' okay. thing yet. So Steve Francis, let me tell you the story of Steve Francis real quick. Now, Steve Francis, if you don't remember him as a player, explosive point guard, dunk champion, could shoot it, and he just had a little bit of problem with drinking, which ended up shortening his career considerably but he was phenomenal rookie of the year played forced his way out of vancouver to houston played with akeem who taught him what he you know as best he could this so steve franchise steve francis grew up in the poor part of maryland and when he was 18 years old he started at 10 he was what they call a phone boy 
You know what a foam boy is, Joe? Uh, yeah, I could take a guess. Right around there, so he would a foam boy back in the day in 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 outside in the in Maryland. He would sit by the phone in the hood and wait for calls, whether they were looking for women, looking for drugs. So he would answer the payphone. This is pre-cell phone, so people had that number, and he would and he'd answer the phone and direct whoever was calling to whatever they wanted. He created a hoop out of the phone booth, like they opened up the top of the phone booth. So it was just a square, and to get it in, you had to shoot a super high arcing shot that would land in there, bang it around, and it would go in. So he learned to shoot with arc on this phone booth as a 10-year-old, being the, being the phone boy, getting drugs and girls and whatever else. Okay. But his, his dad's in jail, his mom's dead, uh... Well, no, his mom was. I don't think. I don't think his mom passed away till later. But whatever, his dad's in jail. He's got no parenting. So at eighteen, he's advanced from phone boy to he's selling crack on the street corner. Dude selling crack. He's not. He never played high school basketball. He barely played any AAU. But he played like a drop of AAU. And one coach at some sad ass junior college was willing to give him a chance. Down in Alabama. I want to say it's Alabama. I might have the state wrong. doesn't matter. He takes the opportunity to go to junior college, and he's just a monster. Dude's the best player on the court. He's having Juco battles with Sean Marion, who ended up playing, who had a long career in the NBA. And then after two years, everyone's coming after him. He wants to go to Georgetown. It's Georgetown or Maryland. He kind of wants to go to Georgetown. John Thompson says to him, Stevie, I cannot bring you here after just having Allen Iverson. You're like the same dude. You're going to have the same entourage of local guys coming around, hanging around the team. I can't have it. So he goes to Maryland. And from Maryland, he becomes a lottery pick. But the dude was selling crack at 18. At 22, he's the second overall pick in the NBA draft. That's a journey right there. Yeah, man. That's uh, right? that's movie worthy. Right? I would, I would think so. And so, I mean, he, you know, he became an alcoholic and he blew a ton of dough and I don't know if, what he's got left and he said it took him about four years to realize that his career was over and he, he was no longer going to play basketball. But it's like, how do you judge a kid like that who basically had no parenting, doesn't understand money at all, is living day to day and okay, now here all here's a ton of dough and yeah hire the right people and and don't give he creditors were coming after him once he got started getting paid because his mom the, there was like 19 kids or something crazy living in all in one house and they had taken out credit card loans on each kid to pay the bills so they're coming after him at 22 when he's got dough hey you owe for your brother you owe for your sister you owe for yourself you owe for your mom like, who the hell are you calling I mean, I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently that's a thing you can do. So, any rate, saw Steve. that in uh, Shameless. You ever yeah. watch the the show Shameless? Uh huh. Yeah, uh, Frank. It's a, it's a Chicago. You know, takes place in Chicago, and the uh, the dad does that. He opens credit cards on all the kids, and so they got crazy debt. And they they have no idea. You know, right? That so that ha- that was part of his journey. And it, Steve Francis, Players Tribune, read it. It's really good. Three one two two three five twenty five twenty five. That is the phone number here. If you're listening to the show you want to chime in on something i want to give you before we talk to adam hogue at the bottom of the hour here i got my tips for the ncaa tournament where you're going to win the pool 
We don't even have to take a break to do this. We'll just segue right in here, Joe. So here are my tips. Ben Anderson, new producer, please write these down. Tell your friends you're going to look like a genius. This is how you win the NCAA. I'm kidding. You don't need to write these down. Um, but you can. Here, okay, here are, my, here are the Mark Carmen genius tips for how to become an NCAA tournament bracket champion. First thing, now these are real tips. First thing you got to do. You got to pick schools that actually play offense and defense. Don't give me some high-powered scoring team. Don't give me a great defensive team. You got to be able to score 10 of the last 16. I've done a ton of research here. 10 of the last 16 national champions. Top 20 in both categories. Offense and defense efficiency. So look for a team that does both. That's going to be... Your national champion, all right? So does that cross number one Virginia off the list that already? Does, that does. Wow. Well, I mean, not necessarily, but I. it does and it doesn't. Like one of my other tips coming up here is I, I do like, I mean, the top seeds win. But Virginia, I think, is a team that you should, that you're exactly right, Joe. Get Virginia out of there. They don't score the basketball. Um, okay. Now let's pay attention to conference tournaments. If a top seed gets knocked out early, they're not coming back, man. You don't come back and all of a sudden get super hot in the tournament once you get knocked out in the conference tournament. If you're one of those teams, if you're like, like you want to dream it big, like if you're a Missouri fan or whatever who just lost to 12 seed Georgia yesterday, they may get into the tournament. They are going to get in the tournament, but they're, but they're broken. They don't, they're not, you, I, I believe in playing well at the end of the year. Which is why, instead of picking some conference team that had a high seed but then blew it in the tournament, who was that in the Big Ten, by the way? I'm trying to think. Did Michigan State bow? Yes. Did Michigan State bow out early? No. They Ohio played. State did. Ohio State, right. Okay. There you go. Because it was Ohio State, it was Michigan State and Purdue in the championship game. Am I right about that? Michigan played. Oh, Michigan. Michigan played Purdue, which is another thing. I like Michigan. Which we'll get Who to, doesn't? I'll get to a lot of people. Uh, but I'll get to that in a second. Joe Romano, great, go blue. All right, this is who you want to pick. Pick a first four team. Tournament went from 64 to 68 teams. First four teams advance. First six years of the first four, at least one, at least one, has made it to the round of 32. Three in six years have made it to the Sweet 16. Playing that first game, getting the jitters out, it matters in round one. You want to pick a first four team. Use the formula of... Who plays offense? Who plays defense? Who's hot at the end of the year? Look for a first four. Okay. I get crushed by those play-in games. Crushed. I've never picked one of those teams to even win. The, like They'll get in to the 64, and that's it. Right. I never pick them beyond the first round. I'm telling you, take the first four. That is, they're going, one of them for sure is going to the round of 32, judging by history. Of course, these things can change, but you're, I, like, I like the odds on that. Now, keep it simple on your national champion. Do not mess around. You can pick 12 fives. You can take first fours, like I'm saying, to go to, the, to Sweet 16. Eight of the last 11 years, it's the one seeds. That's who wins. Last year, one seed, Carolina over one seed Gonzaga pick a one seed to win the tournament your favorite one ride them all the way through and so you think that's boring right okay here's what you also can do you want to take somebody from the 7 to 10 seed who fits the same criteria that I'm going with plays defense can score perhaps an experienced coach I like that too you want to take them all the way to the elite 8 or the final 4 8 times 8 since 2011, that's a lot. Seven seeds or lower have made it to the Final Four. 
Last year it was seven seed South Carolina. So the, there is going to be a school that makes a deep run in that 7, 8, 9, 10 range. That's a su- surprisingly high number. Isn't it? I was not expecting that. Eight times since 2011. So one seed to win it, identify your 7 to 10, go with a first four to the th- at least the round of 32, if not the Sweet 16. And my last tip, get your bracket in on, get your bracket in on time. Mark Carmen messes that up way too many years. No, uh, yeah. 11.06, haven't sent it in, done. Don't be tardy. Don't be tardy. It's like the lottery, man. You you can't win if you forget to play. All right, Mark Harmon, which Big Ten team advances the furthest? So I had Jason Benetti on White Sox Weekly last week, which, by the way, White Sox Weekly this week will be on after Sox and Cubs after Blackhawks. So we're going to do a little... Tape delay, White Sox, Cubs broadcast on WGN, and then White Sox Weekly will be on. I'm guessing it's going to be sometime around 7.30 Saturday night. Had Benetti on last week, does a lot of college basketball, has done some Big Ten Network, the whole thing. And before the Big Ten tournament, he's like, I like Michigan. And I was at the game when Northwestern beat Michigan. Their one good win of the whole damn year. I'm looking at Michigan and Mo Wagner. and the, and I, I like Go Blue, and I hate Go Blue, for the record. Not a Michigan fan, but I like I I do like Michigan, so that's not bad. Uh, but to be honest, I don't watch. I'm not the guy who can tell you what school to pick, unless until, you haven't done your homework yet. You I haven't put all the criteria in yet. I haven't. I the haven't. criteria is set up, but you haven't done. You haven't executed. Right. That'll come in the next few days after after the tournaments and right leading up to getting your bracket in on time and me calling everybody that I know that actually watches college basketball and and hearing what they say and just figuring out what I believe and what I don't believe that's mainly what will happen. But just walk through the entire bracket with a with, I just, a, with an expert. You got it right. Well, you you talk to like four of them and then you look for consensus and all that type of stuff. Um, you're that's what I do. You can read about the stuff. Ad nausea, but I, I use the criteria. Do you play offense? Do you play defense? Where do you rank? This takes a lot of time, though, man. I I, I like a good square pool too. Big okay. fan of the squares, man. Right? You don't have to think about it. All right, I'm in. Let's go. It makes makes it interesting. But I, you got to fill out a bracket. You're, you're you're living your life the wrong way if you don't. All right, let's talk to Adam Hogue, who's out in the desert, so we'll talk some baseball next year. Uh, this is Sports Central, WGNRadio.com. All right, let's continue this love fest. There it is. It's Sports Central with Adam Hogue. No big deal. On demand ah. and in real time on WGNRadio.com. WGNRadio.com, indeed. This is Sports Central, Adam Hogue. Is in the desert, getting ready for baseball, talking to the important people. Talk to Aaron Rowand, who will play tomorrow on the White Sox Weekly Show, which is after White Sox and Cubs. And Adam joins his own show now. Hi, Adam Hogue. How are you? Hey, Mark Carmen. I'm uh, I'm good. It's it's uh, an enthusiastic time with the White Sox, and everybody's happy and getting along and I was trying to figure out today how genuine that is and I was talking a little bit uh, to Jason Benetti who uh, of course does TV for the White Sox and um, he's telling me that it, it's legitimate these guys these guys really enjoy each other and uh, it's been a really relaxed 
but yet productive spring training so far. And I, I think a lot of that credit goes to Ricky Renteria, the manager. Say more. Sing the praises of Ricky Renteria for us. <laughs> well, I think, and I, and I haven't really gotten to know Ricky much yet. I, I'm looking forward to that this season. But just observing from the outside last year and then the few days I've been here uh, this week, I, I just, he's got, we knew this when he was with the Cubs. You know, he's, uh, the players love him. Um, the fact that he can speak both languages and communicate with the entire team, I, I think is more valuable than people realize, uh, especially when you consider the future of this team and the amount of prospects uh, that speak Spanish. And like Luis Robert has just been here for like basically two months in America and, and has never been here before that. So when you think about the kind of culture shock that can be, uh, while you're trying to develop one of the most important pieces uh, to what you hope is a, eventually a championship team, uh, I, I think that's very important. And I was talking to Tim Anderson this morning in, in the clubhouse because ideally it's him and Yoan Mankata up the middle for years and years to come. And despite the language barrier, Yoan's trying to learn English as fast as possible. And But those two guys get along really well from what I understand. And Tim was singing Yoan's praises and um, they're taking a lot of pride in the, the ground that they cover right now up the middle and they don't want to let, let anything get through. So it's those types of relationships that just being here for a couple of days have been very, very evident. Um, and I think the loose but business-like uh, clubhouse really starts with Ricky Renteria, and I know the White Sox love him. I know they do. So it'll be interesting to to see how this continues to unfold this season. Adam Hogue down in – where are you right now? Are you in uh, Glendale? Are you in Surprise? Where are you? I I just drove over to Peoria, which is the town uh, north of Glendale, uh, where the Sox are taking on the Padres this afternoon in about uh, 25 minutes or so. That's a beautiful thing right there. I I, I just – Please put out an Instagram video any t- in the next 10 minutes so I can just look at you and be jealous, uh, which you've been doing a great job, by the way, on your social I'll media. Do a, yeah, I'll do a quick little selfie here when I get off the phone with you, and you can see the palm trees and sunshine and, and be jealous. That, that's that's a beautiful thing. I, I, I deserve that, and uh, congratulations on being down there. Hey, uh, what's it like standing <laughs> next to Luis Robert? Because I feel like that's a moment where you just stand there and you look at him and you think, you are a more talented, better, all things were not, God did not create all men equal type of moment. Yeah, um, that was probably the most eye-opening thing I've seen so far, and I got quite the uh, introduction to the future of the White Sox on Wednesday when I got here because you, you get to the facility, Luis Roberts in the lineup for the first time starting in the Cactus League, and he hits a grand slam uh, to win the game. And not only that, uh, had two balls in center field, one that he caught, one that he didn't catch. The one he didn't catch was at the wall that very few center fielders would have even gotten to, uh, and he just mistimed his jump a little bit. But you saw the range, and I uh, i don't know if you're familiar with White Sox Dave, um, who's uh, on Twitter, big White Sox guy with Barstool, but I, I met him on Wednesday. I watched some of the game with him on Wednesday, and he was saying, if this guy grew up in America, he'd be playing wide receiver for Alabama right now because 
if you look at him, that's that's how he's built. He's built like a, a big, tall, incredibly athletic wide receiver, um, Luis Robert. And he's instead uh, really looks like he's going to be an incredible baseball player for the White Sox and could be on the fast track, man. I mean, I'll tell you what, it's Cactus League in his spring training, but just looking at him physically on the field the other day, um, embracing that type of moment in the eighth inning and hitting the clutch grand slam, it, it just, you look like you belong. You know what I mean? When you get those, and I talk about it football all the time, especially during training camp with the Bears, you can tell really early when guys just belong, you know, your draft picks, when they just fit in. And that's kind of the same vibe I got with Luis Robert and just talking to some people in the organization the last couple of days. It's legitimate. Um, Tim Anderson was raving about him today, and pretty much everyone is. So I, I you know, I think he's going to be the real deal. He, uh, so what you're saying is that Luis Robert is actually a better prospect than Eloy Jimenez? Is that what you're saying? Well, I think it's a little too early to say that, um, especially since I've only seen this kid for a couple of days. But along those lines, I mean, certainly we, we know how, how big time Eloy is at this point and, and how big he was in the Cubs system before the trade. And that guy was just mashing balls in the minor league. So... Look, Luis is not going to be up this year. I don't certainly not like that, but he's going to be kind of on that track that Eloy was last season, where they're going to let him go through the minors and hopefully crush each level. Uh, and you saw Eloy do that, move up. And speaking of Eloy, uh, he's not going to be in the lineup against the Cubs tomorrow, which I know he really wanted to be. But Ricky Renteria telling us today that he, he's hoping to get him in the lineup Sunday against the Diamondbacks. So that's big news because he's been limited with this knee issue, which the, the team insists is a minor thing and they're just being precautionary. But it'd be nice to see him in a game. So hopefully that happens Sunday. Yeah. he the uh, I like that he wants to play against the Cubs who dealt him. Get me out there. I don't yeah. care if it's spring training. I want to beat their ass. I'm pro. Yeah. I'm pro revenge. That's a that's a solid move by Eloy Jimenez. As uh, Jason Benetti calls him, everybody says Eloy, and and Benetti goes Eloy. So I'm oh, going really? to give you an assignment on that one today, Adam Ho, because I think we need that as a tandem post game host. We don't want to say Eloy slash Eloy Jimenez's name wrong. That would be a terrible look for us. Okay, I will. Uh, I will clear that. I, I mean, Jason's here, so I'll I'll clear that with him and. And try to get because yeah, we're trying to nail these things down. Like Micer Adolfo, it's not Micker, it's Micer. That was a learn Adolfo. This, yep, yep. And then Robert was the hard one, right? Everyone and thought I'm, it was Robert. It's not. Well, I'm still not convinced that he, uh, like, Alexi Ramirez was Alexi Ramirez for basically his whole career, and then the, like the last two years, he finally decided to say, "Hey, you know, guys, it's really Alice and. So I'm I'm kind of wondering if Luis Robert has just sort of conceded that in America that's how people are going to say his name. So let's just run with that. Interesting. That but would that is the official pr- pronunciation that the White Sox are giving us now. It's Robert. Yeah. No. They, and they were emphatic about it. I'm assuming that they. I would. I would think that the great White Sox organization would, of course, ask Luis how to say his name. But maybe. Well, I'm sure they did. That's what I'm saying. I think that's a player decision. Yeah, but just. Yeah, but maybe he's just was being nice. What's ever easiest, right, Robert? That's great. No, it's yeah. actually, it's actually Roberte. Like that. Okay, so his name's uh, Luis Robert. All right. The bottom line: he's the most highly touted Cuban prospect since 
Yoan Moncada. They're both on the White Sox, which is incredibly sweet. All right. It 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 very much is okay. So uh, Michael Kopech yesterday got got knocked around a little bit. What'd you see? Yeah, um, I saw a guy that was just kind of struggling with his command uh, after the game. You know what I like about him? He is uh, he's going to be a guy that is going to be honest about himself and not shy away from when he has bad outings. Uh, granted, it's a spring training game, but he was very honest after the game with us about what he was battling. Uh, he said it was mechanical. He just couldn't really get his body in sync in his delivery. And, you know, when you're not in the groove out there on the mound and you're changing things from pitch to pitch, that's usually when you're not, you're not having success. And he said, you know, uh, Jorge Soler, who's now, of course, on the Royals, came up in a big spot. And Kopech was just so insistent on throwing a strike that he just slowed everything down and, in his words, threw the slowest fastball he's thrown since he was 17 years old. Jorge Soler hit it about a billion feet over the left field wall. So, you know, he's he's looked good in his other outings. Um I wonder if the fact that the White Sox have already announced he's not going to be starting the season in Chicago changes anything from a mentality standpoint. I, I think we all knew that. I'm sure Michael knew that too. But yeah, it wasn't the, it wasn't a great outing yesterday. So hopefully he comes out next time and corrects whatever issues he had. Those th- those days are going to happen, even when you're in the majors. So um, you just want to get back in sync. The big one today is Carson Fulmer, who's pitching against the Padres, and he's had a rough spring. He's had a, if we're being honest, kind of a rough start to his major league career over the last couple seasons when he's been up. So I, we're kind of getting a crunch time, I think, with the former first round pick and and hoping he turns the corner here and, and starts to to look a little bit better. Have you poked around at all about Mike Mustakas? You know, not really, because I I haven't really been taking that all that seriously. Plus, I, I wasn't following it completely. Uh, very closely yesterday, but weren't, isn't he talking to the Royals about a return now? Yeah, that was that's the latest. But it's I mean he's sitting there. Mike Mustak yeah. is just for the record. I mean, look, Yolmer played an excellent third base in the second half, and he drove in runs. And but he does, you know, let's you know, he's just not a prototypical third baseman. And are you betting on Matt Davidson? And what do you have coming in the pipeline? And Jake Berger's, you know, going to be out for a year. And I'm also a little biased here. I don't know if I've ever mentioned. Did I, did I ever tell you that I used to work in Kansas City, Adam Hogue? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Mike Moustakis, not only is he a guy that hits the ball over the wall 38 times last year, you put him at guaranteed rate field, that number's probably in the 40s conservatively, I would think, if he's having, you know, having the same year, maybe 45. Uh, yeah. He is He's a leader in the clubhouse. He's a World Series champion. He's in the prime of his career. White Sox fans would love Mike Moustakis. They would, I mean, he is the epitome of what a White Sox player should be. I don't think they're getting him. And you're also taking for the Royals, which doesn't matter as much now because the Royals are doing their own rebuild. But I, I, that name excites me. I don't think it's happening. But I just want to put that out there that that it makes sense on a lot of levels to me at least. Uh, and you know, you, well, go ahead. My 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 problem is that there's a second round pick attached to him that you are not only giving up, but you're giving up within your own division if you sign him. And 
I, I just think the Sox right now are in a position position where you don't necessarily want to be doing that unless you're very confident uh, that midseason he's having the type of year that you were just talking about, Carm, and you can get more out of that by by drafting a prospect that you you know it's an actual prospect it's not a pick and you feel really good about you feel like you can get that in a trade um then but that's that's a big if and meanwhile you know davidson's having a really good spring yep i want i want him in the lineup even if it's just a dh but i want him in the lineup and then sanchez sanchez uh yesterday had a couple triples he's still he's a pretty solid player um so I, I, you know, I want him playing too, and I think that that's where it kind of makes us. Uh, you add all that up, it kind of makes it a tough spot. Someone, um, Yolmer to center field, Adam Hogue. You like that one? Um, maybe, but I, I think they're hoping Adam Engel turns the bat around and and can play out there because you want an out, you want an outfielder. Adam Engel's outstanding defensively yeah and but, you gotta you, you yeah but you gotta give these guys a chance to work it out i mean where this team is right now you 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 gotta at least give adam angle april right um and then another kid i guess i shouldn't really call him a kid he's a little bit older but this ryan cordell guy that's having a great spring so far two doubles yesterday three doubles maybe yesterday it was at the game i wasn't at they had a split squad yesterday I mean, right, and, um, and he's probably sitting as your fourth outfielder right now, and somebody who can make the team. And, and you just add all this up, and I want these guys in the lineup. I don't necessarily want Mike Mustakis taking up one of those spots. So, a couple things on what you just said. Number one, I'm going to bet on Ryan Cordell over Adam Engel this year. Okay, Ryan, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, I mean Ryan Cordell, who they got from the Brewers in the Anthony Swarzak deal. He's always he's been a four A player to this point, but he can play all three outfield spots. And I mean, this spring he's eight for nineteen. That's four twenty one uh, on the batting average here. Team. He's also walked six times, which is impressive. Uh, and a lot of Ryan Cordell was a, at one point was a fairly high level. A lot of people thought this guy was going to be a pretty good player, so I'm 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 putting a flyer out on him. Uh, and I mean, Charlie Tilson is is also in the mix a little bit here, but he's got to be able to stay healthy. And, and I think the White Sox are right to send him to AAA and say, "Hey, why don't you go play yeah. every day and prove that you can actually be on the field?" Um, but you're we're, and I hope that Adam Angle does it, obviously. But you're asking for a lot for a guy who hasn't hit to all of a sudden turn into a competent and by competent, you know, I don't know, 240 hitter that you can feel comfortable having his bat at the bottom of the lineup because he plays such a good center field. But I, I think you might get more with Ryan Cordell. I'd, I'd be interested in what you say about Cordell watching him today. Yeah, he's leading off today. Looking right. forward to seeing him in person. And he's kind of where I, Nicky Delmonico was right. last year. Of course, Delmonico was also in the Brewers system. And it kind of been cast aside. The White Sox picked him up. I, I remember sitting out here in Arizona last spring, and he was the guy that every game I went to seemed like he had a home run, um, was doing good things. And, of course, he came up and looked pretty good last year and is probably going to be the starting left fielder now. So, um, yeah. I, I, but whether it's Angle or Cordell, these are it's fun watching them in spring training. You want to see them do it during the regular season. So you just want to see them get at bats and – and um and develop or not develop but hopefully develop at the next level. Well, and you know, we uh we do have the White Sox on this radio station right now, so we are inherently biased. Uh, there there is there is that, but we're also tremendous reporters. We'll tell it to you straight here. There's when you think about just what team you want to or you should be happy being a fan of right now, 
Like it's it's obviously incredibly sweet if you're the Cubs or you're the Astros or you're the Yankees or you're the Nationals, the Dodgers. I mean, basically, I would say the same teams are in the mix to win the whole thing this year. But like, you look at teams who are on the come. It's different for the White Sox this year. You're going to see Moncada out there every single day, most likely leading off. You're going to see you got young players on the mound. You got you you're going to see Lucas Giolito. You're going to see Ronaldo Lopez. The, the, the White Sox, you know, when you're when you're in the rebuild and you're running out bad veterans who are just taking up a spot, it's boring and it's useless, and I don't. And I, it just, it's a hard to watch that team. But the Sox are not going to be that this year, and there should be more coming along. So, pers- yeah, and it's, you know, I just, I think it's exciting. It, it is. It's natural for us to to compare everything to the Cubs rebuild because look, we just witnessed it, it firsthand, right? And, uh, and, and it all it, it all worked out. The diff- and I, but I think what you're getting at, Carmen, the difference is this isn't getting as low. Even last year. I don't think compared to the Cubs' low point when they had to get to their rebuild because they were in a completely different spot with not having assets to build up quickly, it's never really going to be at that low point. Um, And already you saw some of these guys come up last year. There's going to be more of them now. Now, along with that, the Cubs' ascension happened so quickly because those guys came up so fast, other than like Rizzo, and it all worked out incredibly well. Um, seemed like everything clicked, which is really an unfair expectation. So along the way here, there's probably going to be some bumps with some of these kids. Giolito's got some things he's got to work out. Lopez's got some things he's got to work out. We're seeing it with Fulmer right now. Um, but from just being at the major league level, I mean, there's a lot more to see right now than there probably was uh, when, certainly when you're in like year two of the Cubs rebuild. So, and, th- and they're still coming because we're still talking about, about guys like Eloy and Kopech and Luis Robert uh, down the road. Right. And let me just throw in here too. I don't want to go crazy because the Cleveland Indians are still, they're in that mix of teams that I just named who have a legitimate chance to win the World Series. But you look at the division, the Royals are not going to be anywhere. They're, the Royals are terrible. And the Tigers are terrible. And they don't have anywhere close to the amount of high-level prospects that the White Sox are going to be rolling out. They're just now. Yeah, they're just starting. So they're, the White Sox are ahead of both of them. And Minnesota, uh, you know, it's, you're, it's, you'd be wrong to not be skeptical about their pitching. I'm not saying the Sox are going to be better than the Twins, but I think the Sox are capable of surprising. And if they are, then they should be right there with Minnesota. I'm not saying they're going to climb over Cleveland. That's that's. I mean, the Indians are stacked. But well, I, I think they I, could I surprise you, the division is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think what you want, probably best case scenario, is they do what the Brewers and the Twins did last year. Right. Two, right. two rebuilding clubs that were in the hunt that you didn't expect to be there. And ultimately, the Brewers couldn't keep up with the Cubs, but it was very respectable what they did for five and a half months of a six-month season. And the Twins made the wild card game. So, again, I'm saying that is best-case scenario. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but I also think it's in the realm of possibility, especially when you consider what I was talking about at the start of this conversation, which is the chemistry in this locker room and how, how much fun everyone's having. If you can maintain that, I always talk about baseball. You can have 
lower-level teams get on a roll, roll just because they come to the ballpark every day and they're having fun and things are clicking. And it might not last the whole season, but it can be fun baseball to watch. Which, by the way, we already saw that last year. Even though this team didn't win a lot of games, you know how many uh, rants I would go on on Sundays like two, three years ago of just – the insulting baseball that was being played, poor base running, errors, fundamental things that just if for, uh, anyone who knows anything about baseball would just aggravate you uh, to no end. They corrected most of that last season. Uh, even though the, the talent wasn't necessarily there, they were playing better baseball under Ricky Renteria. And that alone made it a, a more interesting and palatable summer of watching games. Hey, speaking of... Uh... You're well, and you're you're exactly. Then Rick Renteria deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, before you go here, Adam, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself uh, as I look at like rebuilds and like the Cubs were running out like Darwin Barney and Luis Valbuena and David DeJesus, and no disrespect to all those guys, but it's like oh my god. So, but anyway, <laughs> have you been have you been over to? Uh, I, I know I saw some pictures of you watching the Cubs. Have you been to Cub Camp? Have not been over to Cubs camp yet. I'll be there tomorrow because the White Sox are playing the Cubs. Um, but I did check out their game the other night. They are playing the Indians uh, right by where, not far from where the Sox are. So, And they had a night game. So pulled the double dip. And Quintana was on the hill doing what Quintana does, just being very, very solid. Um, and Schwarber was playing. But there wasn't... Uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot of notable stuff that happened in that game. Okay, fair enough. All yeah. right. Well, get back safe, sir, and uh, opening day creeping closer and closer and closer, and uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from Aaron Rowan tomorrow on White Sox Weekly. You, Adam Ho, talk to the World Series champion, Aaron Rowan, who screamed at me, by the way, on that White Sox when all the – what do they call those things that run the bases, Adam? Oh, the uh, I don't. Yeah, what do they call those? It's like the big, the big puffy sure. mascot looking things. I don't know what they are. The retro racers. The, the oh. is that right? The retro racers. Well, Aaron Rowan of the retro racers screamed at me. He's like, "Get out of the way, Carmen! You suck!" I'm like, "Hey, Aaron Rowan, relax there." I'm not supposed to talk. Yeah, but Aaron Rowan did. He came, well, Aaron Rowan, retro racer, did. <laughs> Number 33 is intense, dude. Number 33 is intense. Dude's crashing into walls, the whole thing. Uh, yeah, he runs like he played. All right, do I, did I miss anything? Did, I not, did we not cover something? No, uh, just looking tomorrow, uh, Giolito pitching against the Cubs. Is that at, game on in, TV? Uh, Mesa, it is on TV. It's on WGN TV. It's also on WGN Radio after the Blackhawks game tomorrow. So, and I, a lot of the White Sox regulars have the day off today. Moncada, Abreu, guys like that. So, I'm assuming that they will be in the lineup tomorrow, making that trip over to Mesa, which is across town. It could be a little long. So, uh, it should be an interesting game tomorrow, I think, for sure, whether you watch it on TV or on radio on WGF. Got to go both. Combo, turn it down, the whole thing. Or in this case, since we're doing a little tape delay action, you can just like do some whole sort of, yeah, you go DVR, look, there you go. Figure it all out. You're very talented. All right, White Sox and the Padres coming up. Go enjoy the first pitch, Adam Hogue. Enjoy your day. All right, see you guys. Adam Hogue from the desert where Peoria, where the White Sox are today, taking on San Diego. All right, we'll do uh, 
one final time out here. Is that what we do? And then I'll wrap around up on Sports Central, WGNRadio.com. Um, yes! What? Um, no! What? Let me think, let me think. Ooh. Yeah! Good talk, Coach. Thanks. Maybe we should stick the radio. He's got a point. <laughs> Chicago Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam Hogue. WGNRadio.com, Sports Central. Adam off today, even though we just talked to him from Peoria, Arizona. Mark Harmon sitting in here. All right, I got a confession to wrap up the show. Joe, I don't want you to be nice, but if you're on my side, you can be on my side, I suppose. But I think I think I I, I had a little bit of a faux pas. So here's the story. Before coming to the show today, I was riding down on Lakeshore Drive, coming from the north, and I'm realize oh i can go to del frisco's on oak street and pick up my coat that i left there after being invited to an event by the your predecessor's fiance mike jacobson's the lovely audrey so i went to this event last week two weeks ago i don't know it's been a while coat's been there so i realized i should go get the coat so i go to del frisco's it's lunchtime. They're not open for lunch. I walk in. I there's there's cleaning crews going on. I open up a closet. I turn on the lights, thinking maybe my coat would be there. Don't see it. Walk up the stairs. It's like a little, little situation. I walk upstairs. Okay, there's a person sitting at the Mater D stand. Say, do you have uh, a coat? What color is it? It's camel coat. Great. Yes, of course we do. We have the one coat that's been sitting in here for three weeks. We got it in the back. She gives me the coat. Very nice. Adele Frisco's held my coat. I'm walking out. I go back down the stairs. Now, at the top of the stairs, there was a bucket with a mop, and I don't know what else, but somehow I'm walking out, and I feel myself catch something, and then all of a sudden, crash, and a coffee, a Starbucks coffee mug hits the stairs going down, and there is coffee, full cup, five stairs covered with coffee. No one's around. There's a Mater D in there. I just picked up my coat. There's a bucket. What do you do? You what? in a rush? What's that? Are you in a, are you in a rush to get somewhere? I am coming to the show, but technically, I know I'm not in a rush. You got to find somebody and tell them what you did. You got to find somebody and tell them what you did. A thousand percent. Yep. Yep. You know what I did? Walked out. Yep. Right out the door. Right out the door. Now they know. Thousand percent, they know this dude, Mark Carmen, left his coat in here three weeks. They were nice enough to put it away. The whole thing. Now there was a now on to on the on my slight picking up cleanup defense. There's a bucket right there. So whoever bucket that was is now going to mop that up, and that's that's going to be the end of it. So it's not like a huge thing. But I literally walked out holding the coffee cup, this empty coffee cup, because I got caught in my coat that I was holding and the whole thing. Coffee everywhere. Bad guy. Legit bad guy. That's going to come back to me, man. Yeah, the karma, that's going to get you right back in there. Uh, the I'm funny get, thing my, is, my car's going to get stolen again for this. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Right? So maybe this is the other side of karma working. Because if your car already got stolen, maybe you're just paying it back a little bit. You're paying it forward. Yeah, I don't want to pay it back. That doesn't work? No. No. <laughs> this is terrible. I, I just should, like how the employees over there are going to be like, hey, you remember that uh, that dude that remember, that uh, forgot that sweet jacket, that great-looking jacket? 
It was just here for like three weeks. Or that ratty ass coat that has no buttons and why why anybody would want that back, I have no idea. The zippers broke too, but yeah, okay. Yeah. He came in here today. Got the coat. Finally got the coat, but guess what he did on the way out? He took coffee and spilled it all over the stairs. And then he just walked out like a jerk. He they, they and that's another thing. I didn't even think of that. They might think I did it on purpose. They might. I mean, who the hell, how else would that happen? You spilled coffee? So I, uh, I'd like to personally apologize to Del Frisco's and like to say the food at Del Frisco's amazing and uh, the people at Del Frisco's are amazing and I really, really, really do apologize and I just took the easy way out and it was wrong and um, I am owning it right here on Sports Central. So at least there's that. I'll try to do something to get them back. Maybe I'll come in and have a dinner. They have a nice price fix menu on a Sunday. It's like 60 bucks for a steak and a salad and a, and a dessert. Maybe I'll go full $60 price fix and with a heavy tip to, to make it right. Would that make it right? If the heavy I, tip, that's the big part. Heavy tip is the big part. How, so that's like a 120 right there. Plus, like, I'm, I'm on a $200 meal. $50 tip, does that make it right? $40 tip, does that make it right? What yeah, I, I, you're in the ballpark, yeah. Right, okay. And for a 250 meal on a coffee cup, spill. And a rental of a coat stain. All right, enjoyed being here today, Joe Romano. Thanks so much for helping out. And uh, Ben Anderson, good to meet you. Good luck on the show. I'm sure you'll do a great job. Adam Hogue's a pain in the ass to work with. You got your hands full, but uh, I'm sure you'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, White Sox Weekly tomorrow night after Sox and Cubs on tape delay. So sometime around, call it 7.15, 7.30. We'll be on until 9 o'clock at night. Dan Long working hard on getting some guests for the show. Good to hear from Derek Rose on the show today. Good to hear from Tom Thibodeau. Not live, but sound bites will do it for me. Just, just to hear the voice worked. Everybody have a great weekend, and uh, Adam will be back on Monday. Sports Central, WGNRadio.com.